Hi, my name is Sherry Doherty, and I'm a 54-year-old lady in red, in act two of my career and living my best life. My perspective on life and behaviors have been governed by who I was as a child, who I became, and who I am still striving to be. People my age are beautiful, bold, confident, and full of wisdom. And truly, the encore of the story of your life is still when the best songs are yet to be sung. My mission in this podcast is to shine the spotlight on people like me, have real conversations about reinvention stories, and inspire you to continue to follow your dreams regardless of your age. I'm doing it for Daisy. Who are you doing it for? Good day and welcome to today's episode of the Encore podcast. Today, I am delighted to have with me a very special guest who is also one of my very best and closest friends that I have watched do this amazing transformational journey over the last couple of years. And we've never had the honest, real conversation about what that moment was that started the change in this new season for him. So I am very curious to learn about that today. I am very proud to introduce you to Thomas Schultz, who, as I said, is one of my dearest friends. He has an incredible story. Thomas has had a life, and a lot of life. See, I don't know when to interrupt, because I was so excited that whole time. I was like, oh my god, do I say it now? Do I say now? Do I say Thomas now? Do I say Thomas now? Okay, wait. Okay. Welcome to the show, Thomas. Thank you. This is uh, this is an honor, actually. When you first asked me, I got excited. And I was like, how is she going to edit out all the swear words that I throw <laughs> in? But I'm going to try to be good. So it's I'm okay. Gonna... You can say swear words. You can drop an F-bomb if it's appropriate. It might happen. It might happen. It it's might okay. Happen. So, Thomas, as you know, the format typically is that I will ask you to tell us your story and your come-up story, what life was like growing oh. up whether something happened in the middle that maybe had you pause for a moment or if you had a bounce moment and then what your future dreams are like. And that's typically the format. I know you have a lot of stories, so I'm going to leave most of the talking to you. But let's start with, who is Thomas? Where did you come from? Where did you grow up? What was your life like? Any highlights or lowlights that you're willing to share with us? Oh, gosh, you guys got a couple days? Is honest? No, I'll cut this down to at least less than three days. Um, No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Gosh, grew up in Windsor, but before that, Amherstburg, like that whole deal. Is this where I'm starting? Do I sure, start here? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Gosh, I think I can go back as like growing up in Windsor. That was a lot of fun in blue-collared Windsor. Mm. Go Spitz. Mm. Yeah. How do we start? Mom, dad got sick when I was very young. I think aneurysm, stroke. I'm, you know, I always get confused with the two. I don't know why, but anyways, at like 35, dad gets sick. Mom takes over the role of the house three boys okay sounds like a challenge i think sounds like a big challenge so yeah gosh how do i even start that story what was life like before your father got sick i was five when my dad got sick oh boy okay so like all i remember you know the little jokes i remember about my dad before the sickness is like you know like they always joking around always like the wrestling and always having fun you know and Mm -hmm. my dad in his chair that he always sat in that you made sure you were out of when you got home from work kind of thing right. i remember that i remember do you remember one time when you got a joke and you like play fake boxing with your dad yeah but he actually popped me in the nose one time i fell out of the chair and i think my mom beat the shit out of him afterwards but <laughs> it was all a joke by the way it was all in fun yeah and my dad like we we're going skiing with some friends i was five my brothers were like 12 i remember dad getting carried into his van because he was a carpenter like okay. carpet i think i said that right carpentry yeah. yeah anyways and i remember throwing him in the van i remember him laying down and the rest of like seven years of my life was in the hospital i'm going deep right now okay. this is where it starts yeah and then from there dad being in the hospital like mom had to get another job because dad's had his own company so we all kind of oh, had I to like no issue 
insurance, no benefits. No, nothing. Nothing like that back nothing. then. Nothing. There was my dad owned his company, so there was no yeah, he said no insurance, no nothing. My dad had to stop his brother. My uncle Bill came in and tried to help out taking over the company, which was another great man in my life. But like from there it was just this thing and where it really had to come down to like what do we do now? Right. With the family and stuff. And I could be off a little bit on the story, but I do remember because there was no insurance and because there was no thing that it was almost like, where do we go from here? Mom getting a job and then who's going to look over dad while he's at home? And we put railings all over the house. Like, mm-hmm. it's a big deal when you actually help your father go to the bathroom. For sure. So it changes life, like right? That changes you and forms you as a child. Definitely. 13, you know, living at 10 wasn't a thing for me to go and play with kids and stuff like right. that, right? Anyways, we go from there. I'm going to read, read or digest this. I think maybe it might be okay. good. So I'll I dig. So I don't cry over this okay. microphone right now. Yeah, no. So my mom, actually divorced my dad and the only reason why is because we knew that the government could kick in and help my father get the medication and stuff he needed so i ended up my dad going into a nursing home at a young age and the whole thing is is my mom actually quit her job and got a job at that nursing home in the kitchen oh my goodness so she could be with my dad all the time okay that's enough to make you cry right i might i might a okay. little bit. But so the moral of that is our system is so broken literally that it is better for people to divorce someone they're still in love with so that they can get care and then also sacrifice and change their career so they can be close to said loved one yeah. who's in a facility being funded by the government. Yeah. Wow. It, yeah. And we're going back. And this is only story one of Thomas's life. Oh, people. Yeah. <laughs> so this is going back, but still, it was like, that shows true love, I think. Absolutely. And it was great, too, because my Aunt Robin, who's a crazy woman that I love to death, too, was married to my mother's brother. That's a whole other story. But she also worked at the same nursing home as my father. That's beautiful. So it was great. And then as time went on, I had, you know, meeting my friends from high school and Nicole Sorrell, who was a great, great dear friend of mine, ended up becoming a nurse practitioner or whatever. Sorry, no, PSW. Okay. Started there, got a job. She made sure that she had a job at my dad's nursing home. She's now an ER nurse in Windsor, like head of the deal. So she's amazing. But so this, all these things that came together that showed true love and my friends and family that were here. That was really great. Where are we at? Oh, dad in nursing home. Dad's in a nursing home. Dad in nursing home. home. Yeah. So once they did the surgery, dad started getting better. Okay. Better and better. And like as time goes on, like motor functions came back. You know, these are things. I think I'm like 13 now. Okay. And, you know, my dad gets his own apartment. So he starts like building out his life. Things are good. He's been there for a couple years. Time goes on. My mother is still raising three boys. Right. And I mean, yeah, I'm surprised that she still has three boys. I've met most of you and you (laughs) couldn't have been easy children. No, we're horrible. Horrible little douchebags. That's what we were. And yes, I remember getting a job at 13, lying about my age. Okay. Saying I was 16 because I was pretty tall. Mm -hmm. And I worked at this place called Boblo Island, which was an amusement park outside of Amherstburg. (laughs) Now, for you people, I am apologizing because I literally operated the roller coaster at 13. Oh, boy. And thank God Boblo's not around because they would probably come after me. But so it was this thing I had to do. I had to get a job. I had to work. If, you know, I wanted Nikes, right. mom says, well, guess what? You get byway. Oh, that you get was tracks, my life too. Right? Mm-hmm. So I had to get a job. I had to like help out anything. So me and my brothers, we all started working very young. So I've been working since I was 13. Right. Crazy. Okay. I don't know how I still have jobs, but no, I'm just kidding. Huh. Okay. Where do we go from there? And you were not a great teenager by. No. <laughs> so what oh was kind of gosh. some of the trouble you. So. Let me just put it this way. Yeah. I actually know a lot of your stories, yeah. and I hear two sides of you. So I hear you got in what would be perceived a lot of trouble oh, and did a lot of things. A lot of things. However, I also know you There's, to be very faith-based. There is another and side. And you also spend a lot of time in the church. Right. And, and so per- how do those two things exist together? 
it is the angel and the devil on the shoulder. Right. It is one of those things where I've been through life where I've seen the light of God. I've seen demons cast out of people. And I have been in a room when people did more drugs than they should have done and they're still alive today. Right. So this is a very, you know, not even, I don't want to say butterfly effect, but it's like I've lived literally two lives. You have. And if it wasn't one for the other, then I wouldn't be here today. Okay. So what would you say were the highlights or lowlights mm-hmm. that you are comfortable to share? Oh, I'm an open book. That's okay. the one thing you know about me is as I get into my age now, I would hope that my story that maybe will be a book and I have to change names so I don't get sued. <laughs> I know a guy well, who writes books. Right? And <laughs> I think like if it helps one person. Out of right. 10,000, I'm mm-hmm. pretty happy. And before, I used to be ashamed of the things I've done, but I'm proud of them because, good or bad, because I wouldn't be who I am today. You literally. are so strong. Like, it's, from the stuff you've shared that you've been through, for you to be standing as the man you are today, and the man that you are no. today that I I'm know sure. is the most family-centered person. Like, we haven't even got to your son. But, like, oh, when I watch yeah. you and Blake together, it makes my heart warm because yeah. you two are the most loving family-centered people, so you did something right. I know. I don't know where that came from. I mean, I'll give his mom some credit for sure. Hello. But, like, this is another whole story, of course. When I see my son, I just go, wow, something worked. Something clicked. (laughs) I don't care if it was 1%. Right. But it's, like, one of the best... 1% 1% that I gave to my son. Yeah. Epic hugger. Hello. He is a great hugger. It's so stupid. You. It's crazy, but right? You but and Blake are great at hugging. I know, but when me and him hug, it's a battle. <laughs> it's like, who lets go? I'm not letting go. You let go. I'm not letting go. And then it's like 10 minutes later, everybody's going, are they okay? <laughs> right. But anyways, yeah, 13. Right. So this is where my dad starts doing okay. Mom and I relocate from Amherstburg to Windsor because okay. my mom gets a job at TD Bank. And it was a great job. And, you know, dad moved to the nursing home in Windsor because that was the best place for him at the point. Right. So, yeah, we just followed dad is what we did. Okay. And that's what it feels like to me anyway. So we moved to Windsor. We move into the ghetto. Anyway, sorry, (laughs) I had to do that. And it was what we could afford. And, like, I went to a school, Begley School in Windsor. Like, awesome school because the teachers were epic with the people they had to deal with. It was a very I don't know, low poverty school area, and that was a whole nother game. That was like, you know, I know people are like, oh, Windsor, Ontario, whatever, but they have no idea. Like, it was a rough deal. I bet. Like being like, and this, this is what the eighties. Yeah, this like is like Windsor in the eighties. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> welcome Ford and Chrysler, but like, there was stuff going on. We were just trying to keep her going, but like, going to that school, like, you know, I got into art better, and I got into so certain things. Open the book. Then we finally, mom got a better job and like we moved a little, you know, mid-grade Windsor, Mm -hmm. which is still not that good. (laughs) (laughs) And I went to a better school, a little bit better school. And that's when I came into the faith. I was 13. Mom gets a new apartment and Wendy Smale. God, I love this girl. She's so great. Anyways, comes across the street. She's like, hi, welcome to the neighborhood. I'm Wendy. This is my sister, Melanie, you know, and they say, hey, we're going to youth group. Would you like to come? I have no idea what that means. I hear youth, I'm sure. I hear group, I'm thinking, sweet, gang, we're going to go hang out, drink. No, I'm just kidding. And I go to church, and it was something. It was something that, now I'm going to cry. No, I'm just It was something that really hit me. It was like the perfect time, and like, God always knows. Yeah, he does. God always knows. He's like, I'll wait for this one. And gosh, 12, wow. 12, 13, Joel Samuel. Now I'm going to (laughs) cry. People have saved my life. Mm -hmm. It was really hard, because I was only 12, and I was already lost. Right. Like, no dad, and it's just hanging, you know, trying to help mom, going to see dad at the nursing home. It was a rough deal. I mean, the church was, like, the perfect time. Going yeah. to youth group, getting involved with these people, Church of God. It was, like, this small, maybe 
75 people? Full tilt. That okay. was everybody. Mm-hmm. On Walker Road. It was right. something. I used to get in the van. I remember they used to pick me up because I was the only one going to church at the time. And they used to pick me up in the elder van. Okay. So there's me and like all these six-year-old and 70-year-old Aww. women <laughs> dressed to the nines. <laughs> and like I'm in the back with this little punk, you know? That's beautiful. Trying to find the best outfit to wear. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why today, to this day, it's because of this church and that. Like, you always wear a sports coat to church. Always. Absolutely. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how comfortable you are. People put a tie on for church. Anyways. If you're not dressing up for God, who are you dressing up for? Who are you dressing up for? It's like, literally. Anyways, that's a whole other story. My life really changed. I, I went powerhouse. Like, I was, like, carrying a Bible to school hey, at 12. You told me you were deep in. Yeah, man. The highlights sticking out of my pocket for mm-hmm. those verses and stuff. Oh, my God. We already figured out when Revelation was going to happen. We were way off, but we were hoping <laughs> when that was going to happen. Yeah, it was something. And I think that was the perfect time because, as they say, it creates that foundation, mm-hmm. right, where the roots got to grab onto. Because if there's no foundation, how do you build a home? Right. You know, it's Beautiful. one of those things. And that's what started it all. And, like, as time went on, I was a big Bible thumper. I went to two churches. I went to church on Sunday twice. Mine and my girlfriends, because, yes, I dated the pastor's daughter. Good for you. She was awesome. <laughs> anyway, great people, great family. That was another church that I went to. So it got to a point where my eyes were open wide open and knowing that where my life was at this was like the perfect time as i said foundation to build and it was amazing the friends and people i found so beautiful that you had that foundation because the road wasn't easy no some other times because and i know you've swayed and had lots of temptation let me tell you and call it sin, whatever you want to call it. You've been there. I was a foul buck. You don't buck. mind me saying that. I was a foul buck. But you have your say. foundation to come back to. It Always was. Always rooting you and honestly protecting you because I've heard some of the things you've done that have been potentially very dangerous. Oh my gosh, yeah. Or put yourself in dangerous situations, but you're still standing here. Yeah. So those roots must be strong. It was. And it started as time went on. It was always in the background. Even though I got older and I kind of fell away from the church, those people were always there. To this day, Joel Samuel, my other mother on Sunday, still to this day texts me to make sure I'm right with God. That's beautiful. She's never let go. And she was the only one when I was away that put the prayer in. See, back in our day, we used to write a piece of paper who the pastor would pray for over on Sundays. And for the last 20 years, she has put my name in that envelope. Beautiful. To this day. I love that woman. But anyways, like so of course, as time goes on, I, you know, I start to fall and I turn 19 and my dad passes. Oh. We get the call. You got to come home now. Right. You got to come to the nursing home. You got to come to the nursing home. That's where dad looks oh, us in the face. Dad, dad, 47, my father oh, passed. So young. 40, right now. Holy shit. Right. I'm 47. Did you just realize that? Right now. Oh, Okay. So, and the whole right now on so, your show, I just had a huge eye opener. You have lived longer than your father. Yeah. So, with all the things, wow, share, like we just hit something here. We did. Yeah. Yeah. My dad was at my age right now when he passed. Holy shit. Um, you can take a moment on the show. That's pretty good. No, kudos to my dad. He mm-hmm. fucking lived large. Didn't matter. You know what? It's funny. Even though when he got sick, even though everything that happened to him, he kept his humor. That's good. My dad was hilarious because my dad, he couldn't keep lift his head up. So, like, he would always be sitting in his chair and all he could see. He knew my mom by her shoes. So she would come in and he'd go, you again, eh? <laughs> so with all this going on, I have to bring up my dad's humor because that's what's going to make it right right now. Yeah, kudos to Bruce, my dad. Anyways, 47, he passed away. And me and my brother said goodbye to my father. And my poor mother went through the shit storm that we provided after that day. So, do I, yeah? Go for it. Yeah. 
like that's when the only thing we thought could work were fucking drugs. I'm sorry I no, dropped the okay. F word. That was it. Where do you find to shut it down? Where do you right. find to stop it? Where do you find to like well what you think is where you find it and stop it is right. this. Of course it is not. Right. But at that time and moment, it's all that mattered. Right. I packed up and left for LA. Okay. And the only reason why I got to LA was because I was a stripper after high school to make money. Holy shit, I'm really bouncing right now with okay. the stories. We can follow along. So dad dies at 19. I'm finishing school. My best friend comes out of the closet and he's like, dude, I know you need money for you and your kid because I have a kid at 18. Oh, right. oh already, my we, gosh. We skipped the kid part. Totally jumped out of Blake's part. <laughs> a kid, I'm so sorry, man. You are important. And anyways, 18, going to the bars. Why? Because I lied about my age working. So I knew how to get into bars young. I was going to bars until when I was at 16, I was getting into bars. You know what the funny thing is? It's the same bar I went to forever. It was my 19th birthday. I'm like, it's my birthday. And the bouncer goes, oh my God, how old? And he's like, I'm like, I'm 19. He goes, dude, you've been coming here for three years. <laughs> Anyways, I made sure he didn't lose his job. Right. Long story short, meet somebody, have a kid. We're not together. So I'm 18 right. now. Like, oh my, okay. Holy. So you're 18. You have a baby. You're not with the mother. Nope. Your father passes away. Bam. That's a lot. So now I have to be a dad, losing a dad, and I turn to drugs. Shitty run here. Anyways, I had my kid every weekend doing my thing. My mom actually went, oh, my God, that's another thing. Anyways, yeah, I have this kid, and mom's always there to help out now. Mom's got to help out because I don't know what the hell to do with this right. kid. I'm 18. Mm -hmm. barely learning to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. Mom helps out. Everything's great so far that I think. So, yeah, now you're you know, on your way to L.A. So then I decide that. My friend who comes out of the closet is working at a bar and he knows I need money for my kid because I'm just out of high school. I got no right. work. I got no job. Well, he works at a bar. Mm -hmm. He's a DJ. Okay. And he goes, Tom, I know it's not the way you want to go, but like there's amateur night in the strip club. You can make 150 bucks, get some food and diapers. I'm yep. like, where? Right. I do it. I win the contest. Thank God. Right? Yeah. Owner comes over. Dude, you want a job? I'm like, Okay. Guarantees $1,000 a week, if not more. That's a lot of money. Who says no to that at 19? Right. Thomas becomes Cody. Right. Stage name, Cody. Stage name <laughs> at the strip club. Wow, that's a whole nother story. Anyways, yeah, I dance for a couple of years, make some money, get my own apartment. A lot of things happen in my life that weren't good, and that's when the drugs start kicking in, right. man, because you don't know where you're going to go. And, like, I'm stripping at a club. I'm like, of course, meet weird people, bad things. Yep. Demons are in the basement, and this is where it comes out. Drugs are flowing. Well, I'm sure that numbed Everything. some of what you were trying to cope with. I wasn't worried about my dad because I had money. I was helping out mom left and right. The money was flowing, and the demons were flying. And you don't think about it, and... I get a chance to become, you know, a model in California. You're a good-looking dude. You're still a good-looking you know, dude. Thank you, Sherry, because that's <laughs> like, as you can see on this podcast, I'm pretty gorgeous. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, when you had hair on a body and you're doing okay, yeah. you get called that way. Of course I'm going to go. Of course yeah. I'm going to see the other side of the world where there's more drugs. Right. Anyways, I do modeling. I do some great things, like, in that industry, sort of. But at the same time, I'm doing this really cool thing. It's focused in the wrong way. Right. With the drugs and you're the money. on the wrong path total wrong path mm -hmm. but if it wasn't for the gentleman that was helping me out in the states norman niffin if it wasn't him for being a gentleman and saying like listen you're not gonna be pretty your whole life right you gotta do something man you got a kid this ain't the way to go and i've been drawing and sculpting my whole life yep painting and stuff and he goes why don't you become a hairdresser i was like you want me to move back to windsor ontario stylist <laughs> are you kidding me right doesn't matter. I stopped doing pigs and pictures and I focus on doing hair. Did also soon for a little while in Los Angeles and I have to say that was the first wake up. That was the first wake up going, I could do something. Right. I don't have to ruin myself 
to do something. I can actually do something right. and like use my talents in the right way. And like I'm now going to insure my hands because they've saved my life right. many times. But I started doing hair and that was it. I was like in love. I was like, this is it. So yeah, and I moved back home. Amazing. After three and a you half years. You found something you're passionate about yeah. that was a healthier path. Way, oh gosh, way, way healthier. healthier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got into hair, moved back to Windsor. Now we're looking at, I'm like 21. Okay. 21. Oh my God, we got a long time. That's a lot of life by 21. Already, tw- <laughs> I know, right? This is definitely a two-part movie. And I got into hair. I went to the top salon that I knew of in Windsor, and I said, listen, I hear you're the best. I want to work for you. He goes, you start on Friday. Okay, great. Good for you. Three years I'm with him. Okay. You know, I mean, somewhat the drugs are still there. You know, the partying's still there, but I'm working. Now I'm trying to, like, really wean one off to become the new drug is hair. Okay. And yeah, I started doing hair. I was there three and a half years. Then I met some awesome guys, Mike and Corey. Like they, they were other guys that worked for other stylists. Actually, Mike was my hairdresser for a while. Okay. And then the three of us found our way together and they opened Cabello Hair Salon. So it was like us three together and then we opened a salon. Okay. And that went on for years and it was amazing. Top salon in the city. Nice. Like We were just on top of the world. Things were great. But there's always that undercoat of, Mm -hmm. you know, the devil on my shoulder kept creeping his way in. So as I was working at the best salon in the city, doing really, really well, that little drug devil that was still there kind of like put a kibosh on that. Okay. And that kind of won. And I had to leave. Okay. So I moved to London, London, Ontario. And this is funny because when I got back from L.A., I had bought a condo, I had bought a car, and I was living large. I had it all. Literally had the loft apartment with the Jeep at the best salon and devil got in man okay. and he yep. like took me down and i lost He's all of it He's not quiet no i lost all of it and it was in the middle of the winter i had to move into my mother's garage oh boy by a power cord to keep my energy and heat in and of course now my son is nowhere around me because right. i've lost all that so i decided to leave windsor okay and i moved to london london is the bigger version of windsor <laughs> sorry london but it is anyways i try to do better i try to find my way you know meet some great people you know, I dated a great woman there that was really trying to help me out. And Lisa, you're awesome. And again, still under the undercoat. He just kind of like snuck his way in again. And you know, you know how the devil works. He gets yeah. you, he gets you he good. Gets you. So then I had, I got to go cold turkey. I'm like, I'm out. Does my mom not pick up me and my brother? Because now my other brother, Terry, is like in the shit storm as well as I am. And we decided to quit cold turkey and go to Muskoka. Okay. My mother and us had grew up in Muskoka every summer, going there and get a cottage every summer. Always at the same place for the last 30 years we've been going to this place. This was, of course, before my time. Brother and I, we go there, cold turkey, nothing. So we're there for the first week. The family comes for the second week. Mm -hmm. That was a week. Bet. That was a That's week. detoxing for two that, people. Yeah. So watching all this. Anyways, of course, my brother can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Halfway in and decides to hitchhike all the way home. Okay. From Muskoka to Windsor. And kudos to Terry because he did it. But not at the right time. Right. Not at the right moment. Family comes the following week. My son comes. I haven't seen him in three years. Oh, boy. Okay. And the first thing he says is, like, get the fuck away from me. I don't want to ever see you again. Oh, no. You take that energy. Yeah. You reverse it. Yeah. Because... That was the second call of when I knew it's not worth it. Right. Not worth it. And by the end of that week, we were inseparable. 